The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we talk to listener Chris about her recent trip to Disney World, staying at Contemporary, staying at the Contemporary, Kidani Villages, and her experiences with some of the tours at Animal Kingdom. Find old episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us positive reviews. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where you can receive bonus content, including trip reports for my upcoming trip, and lots more. You can also support the podcast by using me as your travel agent at no cost to you. I can help you plan your vacation and relieve a lot of that stress. Email josephchung at travelmation.net to get started today. If you have questions for the podcast, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, DisneyDeciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies, and Leslie from Trips with Tykes is not with us here today, but we have the next best thing, an old classmate of hers who was recently at Disney World enjoying a lot of things at Disney that I have not personally gotten to try yet, so I'm very excited to talk to this guest today. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thanks, Joe. The pleasure is entirely mine. I am thrilled to talk to you, and I'm still in the glow of my fabulous eight day, seven night trip that just ended. Yeah. You haven't uh, hit withdrawal yet, but it's coming. Don't worry. Um, before we get to that, I want to have a little bit of fun. So, you know, you went to school with Leslie and I'm very curious when you knew Leslie years ago, when you all were in school, did you think that she was going to become this Disney expert? Did you have any clue at all that she was a Disney file? I'm just curious, you know, what was it like back in school? She really couldn't hide it because I also knew her husband, Thomas, and both of them were full on all the time Disney lovers. They made no secret of how much they loved it. And the first time I thought about a trip, I actually reached out to her, which is how I found my way to you and why I'm forever indebted to her now. It's a funny, but uh, Leslie, you know, you have had this rep for so long and, uh, you know, I'm so glad to have a Leslie replacement. You went to school for the same thing. I'm sure you're equally as qualified to talk Disney as Leslie is. I'm no Leslie, but I am thrilled to share my recent experience. Let's start by just talking about the general goals for your trip. What were your goals? What were you hoping to get out of this trip? Sure. The trip was really a huge Christmas gift for my four and a half year old son. And for my husband, who is one of four and had never been to a Disney property ever, all three of his siblings were taken by their parents. And it was kind of a long running joke in his family that he must be the least loved because he never got to go to Disney. Sorry to interrupt, but was he the youngest child? And also, how can it be that he was the only one? I feel so bad. I mean, is it a running (laughs) joke or is it truly a painful uh, memory? 
Well, there is some debate about whether it's repressed childhood horror or it's truly an issue. He was actually in a baseball camp when his other siblings, he is not the youngest and he is not the oldest. So there's really no good excuse for them not taking him, except that apparently he was at a baseball camp when his younger sibling got to go. I don't want to create any in-law riffs and delve too deeply into it, except that I am so glad I got to make it happen for both my son and my husband husband for his first time Disney trip. That's awesome. And as I always say about my wife, they're never going to listen to this. So I'm pretty sure you're probably good with the in-laws, Chris. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Okay, so let's talk about, you know, you said you were there for eight days and seven nights and you stayed at two pretty great hotels. And so we want to start by talking about your hotel experiences. What was the first hotel you started at? Sure. Well, we started out with four nights at the Contemporary. We knew that the Magic Express bus from Disney wasn't running. So that was a big question mark. But I was able to go through mirrors and get their bus to drop me right off at Contemporary. And it was so easy because we went right to the room with the touchless check-in. It was very clean. Modern, I would not say it was truly modern, given the contemporary name, but the location was 100% perfect. The top selling point, the lobby, obviously huge. Um, And then we went straight up to our room, walked in. We had a lovely balcony overlooking the park, which uh, credit to Joe. I mean, he was able to, you Joe, able to make that happen because the balcony overlooked the park and we were able to see pretty much everything from there. The room itself, we had a fridge and a coffee maker. I did need to call the front desk to get a microwave, but they brought that out really quickly. And that was super helpful for our four-year-old getting a warm snack in the morning, et cetera, before we hit the parks. I could go on and on about the contemporary and the monorail and the convenience of it, but is there anything in particular you think folks might want to know based on my experience? Yeah. So as you uh, alluded to, I was your travel agent. However, because I'm a poor travel agent, I do not recall what type of room I booked for you. So it sounds like you were in the main tower in a theme park view room. Is that correct? That is exactly right. Joe, are you saying I'm not the only person that you're helping do this? Because I really felt like you were. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I did it, not pay her to do that, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Now, <laughs> let me ask you. I'm getting no compensation for this, and I'll have to take that up with Leslie at some point. But yes, no, please, I, please I am, see my lawyer. I am, I am cheering Joe on for absolutely nothing except how delightful this stay was. And I'm still in the Disney bubble. Yeah, so it sounded like it was a great room. Now, all those rooms have been updated to these new incredible theme rooms. That's exactly right. So the movie, The Incredibles, all of the decor inside the closets and the bathrooms, etc. You can see little hints and touches, all the artwork with um, The Incredibles characters tucked away inside. The contemporary is minimalistic mid-century, but In the artwork that you see in the bathrooms, you do see the characters from The Incredibles. And I delighted in pointing that out to my son when I was giving him baths. No, it's really tasteful and lovely in terms of being able to see the entire park, both day and night, including the fireworks. 
So before we get to that, just one more question about the decor. You know, you did say it feels a little dated, and having not been in those rooms, I definitely feel that the contemporary feels like it was contemporary for maybe the 1970s, 1980s in terms of like the lobby decor and yes. uh, couches and stuff like that. But in the room itself, with the Incredibles update, did that feel modern or was it like kind of a retro feel? You know, did the whole hotel feel dated or was it just outside the room that felt dated to you? I would say that it, it it was a mid-century modern feel. So it was definitely still a retro feel, but not in an old way. If you like sort of the Swedish minimalist, but mid-century modern, then it was very cool. The Incredibles were a nice touch throughout. So you heard it here first. The contemporary is furnished from Ikea. No, just... <laughs> <laughs> That's the quote. To, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. So yeah, the room looks really great. So now tell me about the theme park view and getting to see specifically the fireworks. You know, what was that like? I mean, did you guys go to the Magic Kingdom to watch the fireworks in person or did you only enjoy it from your room or did you do both since you had the option? We of course did both, especially with a four and a half year old who by the time you get done with the day is pretty much spent. But that was huge for us based on being able to see the entire park and the fireworks. We did do the Magic Kingdom, wait in in the park to see up close and personal the display on the castle, which was beyond amazing. My son loved it. My husband loved it. I loved it. Then being able to get right back after the fireworks, being able to walk back to the contemporary was worth twice the price instead of having to fight with the crowds or even to take a monorail. So that was a huge selling point. An added bonus was on other nights, we could just come back and watch the fireworks from the balcony. Even if my son was tired and sleeping, we could just sit outside and watch them. And that was completely worthwhile. And did you play the music? I think the TVs can play the music or did you just enjoy the explosions? We did both. And it's amazing when you have the music on and you can see it. It's not quite as good as being in the park, but it really is impressive. I feel like I'm shilling for Disney. I promise I'm not. I wish they would (laughs) send me a, a, a free trip in response to this glowing feedback. Uh, don't worry. Just like my wife and your in-laws, they will never listen to this. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, now, aside from the proximity, which is obviously the biggest draw of the contemporary, anything else that you really enjoyed about the contemporary? Did you guys eat there? What else can you tell people about your stay there? We did eat. I will be happy to talk all about the meals that we had. I will say my one drawback probably for the contemporary was the lack of quick service right there to get coffee and things like that in the morning. Um, That would be probably my one downside with the contemporary, but the upsides, you know, in terms of dining and stores that are right there, Fantasia and things, you could pretty much get everything you could possibly need for several days stay in terms of souvenirs and mementos and snacks, et cetera, you can get there. So was Contempo Cafe, I think that's the quick service next to Chef Mickey's. Was it just like too far away from the tower rooms or? Yeah, we couldn't actually get them in the morning. We basically went all the way down to the lobby and they had a coffee cart there, but we had a coffee maker and a Keurig in our room. But in terms of other things, that was not open to us on the days we went. But we did have several sit-down meals at the other restaurants. All right. We are generally a short-form podcaster. We try to be. So I know it's going to be difficult, but pick one restaurant at the Contemporary, maybe your top restaurant there, and share your experience with us, please. 
I will go with the California Grill. Uh, we had the 50th anniversary dinner there, and it was far and away the best quality meal. I think they class it, Joe, you can correct me. I think it's classified as their fine dining restaurant there. It's up on the 15th floor. It was delicious. I do have to put out the caution that what I had for the 50th anniversary dinner, I think is only through towards the end of September, something like September 20th or something like that. But it was far and above all of the other meals we had. It was basically the best hit of Disney of the contemporary for the last 50 years. I distinctly remember having a filet if I don't eat a lot of steak, but when I do, I want it to be a high quality filet mignon. And that's exactly what I got. It was perfectly cooked. It was delicious. I think my husband had grouper, I want to say some type of fish. He doesn't eat a lot of red meat. And of course my son was with us. So he was delighted to have his kids meal there too. Probably the greatest thing about that restaurant, in addition to the food, was the service. This is going to sound, we travel a lot and we eat out a lot, but the service was Michelin star worthy. It was incredibly attentive. It wasn't pretentious. They were incredibly patient and kind to my son. And it is fine dining, but at no point did I feel like when my son dropped his fork, that that was a problem. So I really, really felt like it was a family-friendly fine dining, if, if that's such a thing. They also had a great wine list. I am a lover of wines, and there were many, many selections. I have no idea what I drank, except that it was delicious and paired wonderfully with my filet. I have no idea what my husband drank, but he also had a wine that suited his fish as well. It uh, sounds like you may not know because you ordered too much from the wine list. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish that were true. But hey, I didn't have to go anywhere except down an elevator. So why not? Yes. So just a quick reminder to people that 50th anniversary menu right now is the price, the fixed price menu. And I think when that is finally over, it'll go back to a la carte. But we shall see because I have been hearing great things about California Grill, even the fixed price menu, which, uh, you know, of course, you're going to have to pay that fixed price. But people have been enjoying it. My next question before we move on is California Grill has that balcony where you can watch the fireworks and, you know, you get the uh, right, I guess, to watch from there. But with the theme park view room, did you even feel the need to watch from that balcony? I never did feel the need to go back. Although I know that people do go back to watch and they even have a special section for the 50th anniversary where I think you can go out and just get a section specifically for the fireworks. We didn't do that because we had had the best view from our room, but I can't speak personally about that. Oh, and then one more question about your room. Someone asked me about this. If you were lying down in bed, could you see the fireworks from bed? If I was not looking over my husband, yes, I could have actually. And I was worried they would be noisy because we have a four-year-old son. Not a problem at all for us. That's great. I will get the room number from you later offline and keep it in my notes. Now, before we move on to your next hotel, very quickly, what would you say was your son's biggest highlight at the Magic Kingdom, which is where you spent a lot of your time while you were at the Contemporary? Oh, gosh, his biggest highlight. I will say it sounds silly, but the theater, we timed it somehow perfectly where we got to walk in and it was only my husband, myself and I and Mickey. There was zero weight. We dumbed into it and it was extraordinary. 
That's pretty awesome. All right, so let's move on to your next hotel. Now, what I know and the listeners don't know yet is that you were actually most excited for the Animal Kingdom and your son getting the chance to see animals. And we're going to talk about some of the experiences you had. But you stayed in Animal Kingdom Lodge in a one-bedroom Savannah View villa. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? I could spend the next... How long do you have (laughs) talking about the animal kingdom villa that we had? And I know I'm verbose and very wordy, but I'll try to keep it short. The villa we had was absolutely jaw-dropping in every way, shape, or form. And I wished that I had done a voice recording of my son from when we first walked in. He said, there's three phones. There's two bathrooms. There's beds and TVs everywhere. And he was gobsmacked by the sheer size of the room, let alone the best part, in my view, all the wild animals that were immediately outside. But it was gobstopping for, I think for him, just for the size and amenities that we walked into. I really wish I had recorded it. Now, what was in the view, like when it's a Savannah view, like what exactly did your son get to look at every morning when he woke up or whenever he got home? Well, that's a trick question because there are two different savannas. One is the savanna of the larger animals that can be giraffes, wildebeests, ostriches, all of which we saw every single day. And that was a true highlight. The other savanna has the smaller animals, the antelopes and some kudu, and I'm probably forgetting the name of them, but every single animal was right outside of our window. And it was gobstopping to see giraffes walking by and eating leaves, followed by wildebeests walking by and eating. And then ostriches, you never knew it was going to come by. And the actual balcony, the porch was so long that I was able to drink my coffee out there. My husband could eat breakfast. And on the entire other end, my husband, my husband, my son could be eating his pop tart and his, um, oatmeal. And somebody across on another balcony had a bubble maker and sometimes they'd be blowing bubbles. And that just added to the magic of the whole experience. I think for my son, it was just a can't miss experience. It was truly a highlight for him. Seeing a giraffe that close and a wildebeest that close was unlike a zoo, unlike anything else, watching them eat and be fed because the keepers would come by and put the food out. And that was a signal that we all better go out to the balcony because you know that animals were going to come out a few minutes later to browse the offerings. And it sounds like you didn't have as much trouble with breakfast as you had had at the Contemporary. You want to talk a little bit about the breakfast situation that you found at Animal Kingdom Lodge? And and just for our listeners, she was in the uh, Kidani section of Animal Kingdom Lodge. We had a full kitchen, so that took care of any and all problems we could have had. We had a coffee maker, a kitchen, we could make eggs, we could make omelets, we had oatmeal, we had hot meals when we wanted them. I had brought some things for breakfast because I knew that was going to be the busiest meal for us. Both at the the first half of the trip, we did have the split stay. So at Magic Kingdom and before Epcot and Hollywood Studios and all that, the hustle and bustle of doing all that and getting on the monorail versus Animal Kingdom, where we really had our time to just enjoy and kind of savor before we started doing our Animal Kingdom rides and safaris and things. It does sort of set the tone for the day when you're able to sleep in and take it easy and then make your way over to Animal Kingdom. 
Yeah, and I hadn't put this on our agenda, but how did you end up getting groceries? Did you use grocery delivery? Did what did you find worked for you? Yes, it is embarrassingly easy there to get anything delivered. Um, DoorDash or Instacart was super easy because Instacart can bring it right to the lobby and leave it. And then you can go down and get it directly from the front desk. It's been very hit or miss. Sometimes they charge $5 mm-hmm. when you do that. And sometimes they don't. What was your experience? No upcharge at all. From Disney. I, uh, sorry, correct, to be clear. Correct, correct. Okay, that's awesome. Get the eggs. That's all you need. You know, that's the great thing about those villas that have the full kitchens, which is obviously it's part of their DVC like timeshare stuff. But you know, you can book it as a regular guest for cash, which is great. I I, I love how I'm saying this as if because I forgot that I did all this. I, I sincerely <laughs> forgot. I sinc- we can we also were able to get milk right there at the lodge. So that was one other thing we had every morning that we didn't have to instacart, which we didn't have in the contemporary. All right, so let's get to what I'm most excited to hear about, although this has all been great so far. You booked two special tours for your son, the Caring for Giants tour and the Up Close with Rhinos tour. So take your pick. Which one do you want to talk about first? Oh, gosh, the enchanting extras. Let's see. I guess I'd talk about the Caring for Giants first, the elephants. Um, That probably is something that most people, I'm guessing, would be most interested in. My son loved them both, but I think most folks would probably connect more with elephants. I knew going in that this was the number one thing we wanted to do. My son loves animals, nature, and cars, three very disparate things. So it was, you know, first half of our stay was all about um, Lightning McQueen and Test Track and cars and Tomorrowland, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the second half, all about the animals. And what made it were the enchanting extras, the caring for giant elephants was beyond awesome. On a normal safari in Animal Kingdom, when you're riding around one of the safari rides, which is awesome, you will see, if you're lucky, some of the elephants out on the safari who are browsing and walking around, but you're obviously separated quite a distance from them. But in the extra, caring for giants is a special behind the scenes tour where you do go behind the scenes. You go back lot, basically behind the facades of all of the animal kingdom village. And you see the working parts. I was a tiny bit concerned that my four-year-old son would have a lot of big questions about would the magic still be there when he sees pipes and the working sides of Disney World? And would that ruin the magic for him? But he did not miss a single beat. Basically, we, we checked in and we met with our tour guide, whose name happened to be Christina. And she got our very small group. I believe there were, I want to say 14 of us, certainly no more than 16, who had checked in. And we all got together wearing masks. We got our name tags. And she took us through a gate to the back behind everything else. And she said, this is the working part of Disney. And it's not beautiful. It may be a shock to you. And it certainly was to me because you see lots of working, moving industrial parts. But then we walked over to a little van, a private van, and we rode behind the scenes over to where the savanna is. You can see behind the scenes where the safari trucks on the other side are driving around and giving tours. But you are taken actually to past the sheds and the barns where the the elephants stay. And they give you a whole 
history lesson on all the types of elephants, the African elephants, the Asian elephants. You learn so much just on that short bus ride from the cast member who has actually been our cast member who gave the tour. Christina had been trained with the elephants for something like six years. They have their own dedicated cast members who run that program. Unlike the others, they are dedicated only to the elephants. So they are true experts. They know looking across the savanna and looking backstage, they can tell you which elephant is which just by sight. That's how expert they are. While my son is sitting next to me and looking and learning, the bus is driving and he's absorbing all of this knowledge and so am I. We all get off the bus at a private overlook and walk up a ramp and it's literally a private viewing station that is far closer to the elephants than you would ever get on the Kilimanjaro safari ride. I am not a techie, if that's not abundantly clear from this conversation. And I did not have a fancy camera. I had my geriatric iPhone and my husband had a much newer iPhone. But the other people on our tour, some had very nice telephoto lenses and beautiful cameras. And I will tell you that I don't think you can get a better up close photograph of an elephant short of going to Africa because we were within, I'm guessing, 30 yards, maybe 40 yards of African elephants, watching them in their natural behaviors, browsing, splashing, playing with each other. I should have said earlier, though, that you are not allowed to take any photographs of the backstage areas for obvious reasons. But when you arrive at the viewing platform, you are allowed to take photographs. So I have some unforgettable photographs of my son and my husband and even me with these elephants in the background. And it's just fantastic. At the risk of oversharing, I will tell you that I love nature. My son loves nature. I learned more about elephants than in that, I don't know, 40 minute experience than I probably ever knew in my life. I never knew it was possible for a massive animal the size of an elephant to truly sneak up on people. If you've ever watched Discovery or some story about someone being trampled by marauding elephants and think, how in the world does that happen? How are you surprised? Now I know, and I won't ruin it for anybody else, but now I know because. They showed us exactly why you can be run over by an elephant and never hear it coming. Spoiler alert, go to the behind the scenes tour and figure out why that can happen. I won't ruin it by sharing that here. It was truly fascinating and something I will never forget. She showed diagrams of elephants' teeth and their skulls and explained their tusks. And my son had a million questions, which is all I could ask for. But now I know why it's possible to be trampled to death by an elephant and be caught by surprise. Well, aside from the fact that you now have me looking over my shoulder in the streets of Boston for marauding elephants, (laughs) uh, you've got me nervous. With you saying your experience on this Caring for Giants tour, I really feel like it's a great deal. I mean, it's about an hour and it was, I think, around $40 for each of you. And that that really does sound like just an amazing experience. And it sounds like it was worth every penny. Now, Up Close with Rhinos, I think, is around the same price. When we were talking while you're on your trip, it sounded like that one was even more fun. So tell us about that one. Really hard to beat the elephant one. Although the keepsake you got with the elephant one, I'm not going to give that away, but that's a life, uh, a life memento. The rhinos. Oh my goodness. The rhinos, the rhinos, the rhinos. So 
I knew a whole lot less about rhinos than I ever thought I did. <laughs> but yeah, it's about the same price as caring for giants. The difference being the group is a tiny bit bigger. The same thing, you go backstage, you have that same experience, but a very small group. You cannot take any photographs during the rhino experience. So that is a big difference. Um to keep in mind, if photographs are your thing, this is not your tour to take. But the thing that was the most mind-blowing about the rhinos was the fact that after you've learned more than you thought you could ever learn about rhinos, including how they eat, how they chew, the fact that of the different types of rhinos and the conservation efforts that, that Disney is taking to actually restore rhinos from the park back to the wild, it, my son kind of tuned out during that, but my husband and I were extremely interested in that. The biggest, best, coolest thing was <laughs> after learning all about them, we actually got to touch a white rhino. It happened to be the biggest white rhino they have at the park. His name was Dugan. But under the careful, watchful eye of the guide, they have you come up to the, the crash bars and reach through and touch the folds of the white rhino. You get to feel their skin. And my son described it as the outside of a cantaloupe and he's four. So I thought that was an incredibly insightful descriptive. It was almost like a leather, et cetera, but it was clearly something none of us would ever, ever get to do in the world ever again. They're amazingly immense, strong, potentially dangerous animals, but they have taught them to relax and be able to be touched comfortably. It was mind boggling. That sounds really amazing. And I don't know how one would decide between the two, but if you had to recommend just one for Ooh. a four-year-old, I mean, are you flipping a coin or <laughs> you know, do you think one will take the edge? I would probably give it to the rhino because being able to touch an animal of that size is something you cannot do anywhere else in the world. I'm getting uh, visions of the new uh, Jurassic Park trailer. You know, if you remember the original when they're touching the Triceratops. Oh, but, yeah, uh, yeah. It's the modern day Triceratops. So uh, I'm, sure very that's much. I'm sure that's completely wrong. But, um, <laughs> you know, all the all, all the paleontologists out there, please email uh, tripswithtikes at gmail.com. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you had some good tips that you were telling me about Memory Maker or maybe some thoughts on why Memory Maker was a little bit more difficult to use during your trip than it might otherwise have been. So do you want to share some of those as we uh, close things out here? Uh, yeah, I think the I love doing it. It was great in terms of getting shots that I couldn't have gotten. The one disappointing issue for me was the on-ride photographs, which are of course included. If anyone in the photograph at all was not wearing a mask, so I'm thinking Pirates of the Caribbean or anywhere there's more than just your small group doesn't have their mask on, the photograph is not shown. It won't show up at all, not the next day, the day after, three days after. In order to get it, you have to go through PhotoPass and have someone actually research to find your photo. What I ended up having to do was keep track of the dates and times that I rode rides where on-ride photos were taken because they have an escalation team. So what they can go do is find your photo, your party, and figure out which 
person who's not in your group didn't have a mask on, you crop, they crop them out and then later they upload your photos. I'm actually going through that process right now, but it was incredibly helpful for me to have taken photographs of the ride myself, of my kids getting on the ride or coming off the ride. So I had a better sense of not only what we were wearing that day, but around the time we were on the ride really helped narrow down the times for the folks who were trying to locate the photos for us. Yeah, that's a good tip. I, I feel like the other thing with Memory Maker right now that is unfortunate is there's just less photographers in the park, not only at character meet and greets, which is, mm-hmm. of course, a big issue, but also just in the normal places in the park where you'd want to take photos. And I know that's a staffing issue, so hopefully that continues to get better. I also wonder... I don't know when, but there will be a day where that mask thing won't even be an issue for the on-ride photos anymore because today, as we're recording, Universal reverted their mask policy back to unvaccinated only for the attractions. So Disney will eventually do that. They don't do things as soon as Universal, but that might not be an issue if you're listening to this maybe in summer of 2022. We'll have to see. But I do think Memory Maker, it's not as much of a slam dunk as it might have been in other times just because there's not as many photographers out there and you know you want to get as many photos as possible. I entirely agree with you. Having not been there since the advent of it, I don't know how it used to be. I will say that in some instances, I was looking for folks to take pictures and couldn't find them, but I didn't want to gripe because I don't know how it used to be and how it compares, but I'm I'm still very glad I did it. All right. Well, any other final thoughts before we close things out with Disney do's or don'ts that you want to share with everyone? One big one that I wish I had known, now that the character interactions are from afar, especially at dining situations, your child is fixated on the character, which is awesome, and they're having the best time, but because they're at the table looking at the character, in order for you to get a picture of your child's face, you're essentially asking your child to turn away from the character and look at you, the boring parent that they see every day. So you either need to station another parent on the other side to get a picture of your child's face or practice at home. I don't know exactly how well that would work out, but with a TV, their favorite cartoon, something to distract them when you say, okay, it's picture time. Look at me so that they'll be willing to turn away so you can get at least one or two good character photos. I will say that in character dining, they did make a point of going around at least twice so that hopefully by the second time around, I could (laughs) occasionally get a glimpse of my child's face instead of just the back of his head in front of Donald Duck. But I wish I had had that as a heads up so I could have practiced a little more in advance and I wish parents facing similar issues the best of luck in that. So what you're saying is make sure that if you're going to give your kid a haircut beforehand, that the back is done perfectly. (laughs) Right. Nice and trimmed, really straight in the back. Exactly what I'm saying. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us. Now, we traditionally end every episode with a Disney do or don't. Do you have a Disney do or don't to share with us tonight? Do Disney. Just do Disney. Short and sweet. I love it. Well, Chris, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for pinch hitting last second. I'm glad you had a great trip and enjoyed it. And hopefully you will get back another time. I feel like just four-year-olds, it is the most magical time. So I'm glad you got to do it when he was at this age, because when he's older, he might get a little bit more cynical. He might realize that, you know, that Lightning McQueen wasn't real, but I'm glad you guys had an amazing time uh, at this age. 
We really did. And uh, the pleasure was mine in terms of talking about it. The longer I can relive the magic, uh, I want to keep going. I don't want my bubble to burst. So call me back in another hour and I'd be happy to keep talking about it. All right. Sounds good. Maybe we'll keep talking offline. All right. (laughs) If you want to listen to old episodes of this podcast, you can check us out on DisneyDecipher.com or anywhere you find podcasts. Quick reminder, if you'd like, just like for Chris, I could be your travel agent at no cost to you, help you plan that perfect Disney vacation. Email me, josephchung at travelmation.net if you're looking for help. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Other than that, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, and I will see you living out your nightmares of being trampled by elephants. (laughs) Thanks, Joe. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.